Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for joining me today. These wonderful words are not just words. Grace, charis, meaning in the Greek, the divine influence. Peter is saying, look, I want the divine influence of God to flow in your life. And then peace, meaning all of the abundance of God, he's asking that it belong to you. And that it belong to you in abundance. You know, God does not want us to live in the darkness. He came to call us into the light. First Peter, second Peter, I'm sorry, the first chapter, begin with verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. See, you cannot participate in the divine nature until you begin to take the promises of God and stand on those promises asking the Lord, will you quicken this promise in my heart and will you flow with grace and peace in my life as I stand by faith on these incredible promises you have made to me. That's how you begin to participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is the work of God in our hearts. We cannot deliver ourselves. And sometimes we walk with a sore heart for a long, long time as we wait for God to humble us and to deliver us. I want to share with you a story today. It was James Turner. James Turner was a Scottish man. He was born in May, eight, May 1818. His parents were honest and good people, but they were not God-fearing. His education was only three years, and then he was, at the age of nine, apprenticed to a cooper or a barrel maker. Nothing in his surroundings would suggest that he would live a godly life. And like many around him in that day, he contracted tuberculosis. This killer of a disease hounded his footsteps through all of his life and finally brought him to a premature death at the age of 42. At 22 years of age, his brother prevailed upon him to attend a local Bible class. He sat in that Bible class blind and deaf to the meaning of the gospel for the next five years. I want to read for you what he wrote about those five years. I thought I would have a Bible, and I went. I bought one, and I made a God of it. I read it night and day, but could not find the thing I wanted. And then I tried to pray. I made a God of prayer. I went to the fields with my Bible, and I read, and I prayed, and I wept, and every day I got worse. By this time, my soul was all concerned. I could give up all for Christ, friends, old companions, sins. Still, I could not get a hold on God. Three months I went on like this. 
My friends thought I was going mad, but I didn't care. I went to all the meetings. I would not lose one of them, although I thought everybody was looking at me and could, and I sat in the meeting and could not lift up my head. I had a great desire to speak with the minister, but could not go to him. I'd hoped that he would notice me in church. Had he done so, that would have been a very happy day for me. May 1840 My soul is sore from head to foot. No one cared for my soul. Still, I could not give up. At length, he heard my cry, and he sent his spirit into my soul. It was on a Monday morning that the Lord blotted out my sins. I had three hours in heaven that day. My soul was so shut up to God that I was scarce conscious of what I was doing. Now let me stop. I'm, I'm telling you this story today because I want you to see the seriousness with which men and women of old have taken this journey into Jesus Christ. We are so utterly cheap, tawdry, and shallow today. Is it any wonder the power of God is not among us? It grieves my heart, and I tell you honestly today, my soul is sore. My soul is sore. I will not make peace with this world. I will not make peace with a wicked and worldly church. I will not make peace with the devil. The story continues. Times of temptation and darkness came. And for 18 months, James Turner fought nobly and he kept Jesus as a bright reality. But then he began to sink into a state of formality and darkness. And the next four years were blanks in his Christian life. Finally, God laid him on a sick bed in order to restore his soul. And one day he visited the home of a godly old lady who spoke to him about spiritual things. He became a frequent visitor to her house, and as a result he was influenced to go to the Wesleyan Chapel. Here he attended the class meetings, where he received personal counsel and had the opportunity of sharing with others and, and telling of his progress in grace. Nine years of increasing labor for Christ followed. And when we remember that he was not a full-time worker for the gospel, not a preacher, we marvel at the record of the year 1853. Please, I want to stop again just to highlight what I've shared with you. He needed a place where he could receive personal counsel, where he had the opportunity of sharing with others and telling of his progress in grace. If I were to say to you, please call on the phone and tell of your progress in grace, what would your response be? Have you or are you making any progress in grace? Or are you dead and sunk in formality and darkness, and God is far from you. Are you making progress in grace? Listen to his report of his progress in grace. He wrote in 1853, My Lord, I thank thee for the bygone year. Thou hast given me many privileges in 1853. Thou hast permitted me to have about 200 sermons and 260 prayer meetings, 
With my weak body, thou hast strengthened me to stand at the deathbeds of upwards of five hundred souls. Thou hast permitted me two classes to lead. These thirty souls I have to meet twice a week and to hold up before thee night and day. Thou, Lord, hast given me more souls in the bygone year than in any year of my life. So I ask you, how many souls has Jesus given you this year? How many Bible studies have you led? How many class meetings have you led? Do you have a group of 30 young people or older people that you meet with twice a week to encourage them in the journey to Jesus? No, probably not. One pastor I spoke with feels very put upon if he has to speak more than three times a month. More than three times a month. He's too busy to preach. He's too busy to lead Bible studies. He's the administrator of the church. He's the CEO of the church. He's the program manager for the church. But unfortunately, when he does have an opportunity to preach, he only preaches for 15 or 20 minutes, basically tells a story, reads a scripture, applies a nice little lesson, and then he's finished, perhaps with a joke or a, another cute little story. And then he's finished three times a week or three times a month. That's it. We have come so far from the gospel of Jesus. It's amazing that we even still think we're Christians. In spite of all of this intense prayer and release from his sins, James Turner sensed that there was something desperately still wrong in his life. In the class meetings, he'd been encouraged and he'd been admonished to go on to holiness. Now, John Wesley, speaking about this, says, no church will prosper in the spirit unless the pastor is urging, pressing the issue of going on to holiness. This is what he writes about it. He wrote this in his diary. Lord, make me holy, soul and body, this is what I am living for. One Sabbath night I was so filled with God that I thought perfect love was laying hold of my heart, but oh no, may the Lord keep me from stumbling on this great matter. I know that my Jesus has made it over to me, and by faith I must lay hold. Lord, help me, for thou knowest I long for this blessing. Oh, when will my dark heart be like unto thine in thought and deed? How greatly I need this, more than thirty deathless souls committed to my charge. You see, into the heart of this Christian man, who worked in the fishing trade, had come an insatiable thirst for the lost and with a continual corresponding dissatisfaction at the static condition of spiritual life. He said in his diary, my soul was much cast down because the work of God was at a standstill. 
The two classes committed to my care were also beginning to lag behind. This lay heavy on my poor heart, and I cried, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Is thy work to stand still? Is Satan to have all his way in this hell-going town? No, he shall not. There are a few names precious to thee, Jesus. Give us souls. And about an hour after, he sent a poor old sinner to me seeking Jesus. And when I pointed her to him, the power came down on my own soul. And my soul has been in such a state even to the present hour. His deep heart-searching is revealed in the following diary extracts. And before I read these, I want to be very clear with you. When he's speaking, as was understood in that day, about fully receiving perfect love, about receiving the full gift of holiness, he's talking about mind, body, and soul being utterly given over to the Creator, no longer being in charge of anything in my life, but everything is handed over to Jesus. And I wait for Jesus to take possession of my soul. Many of you have offered to Jesus your life, and then you hurried on with your life, never truly expecting Him to come and take what you've offered him. And so you have lived your life with this sentimental attachment to Jesus, with certain theological understandings, but your soul has never been received by Jesus. Remember what I said yesterday. It's not whether you receive Jesus, it's whether Jesus receives you. And many of you have no assurance that Jesus has received you and brought you into the fullness of this perfect love where your heart is just liquid love poured out for Jesus on fire and then also poured out as liquid love for the souls of others. Now you don't have time for that. You were baptized, you gave yourself to Jesus, you accepted him. And now it's his obligation, you think, to accept you, and you're on with your life. That's not what the Christian life is about. That's simply spray-painting Jesus over a pagan heart. That's not what the gospel teaches. It's not the experience of these old-timers that I'm sharing with you. Well, here are some of those Deep Heart-Searching Diary Extracts, December 6. For some time, I've been taking a new look at my heart. And I must say, it is cold indeed. Lord, have mercy, for it doth not love thee as it ought. February 24. My soul today is at a low ebb. I do not think that I am half in earnest. Oh, my slow heart. A heart that I cannot get to love God. I have to stop. Have you ever been this honest with yourself or with God? Oh, my slow heart, a heart that I cannot get to love God. Did you know you cannot love God out of the flesh? You cannot gin up some kind of emotion to love God. The heart love for God must come from His receiving us and planting within us 
that perfect love, that Holy Spirit presence that flows out of a man or woman's belly, a continual flow of the Holy Spirit. It's not a hit and miss thing. Our love for God is not emotional in the sense of being sentimental. Oh, it will touch our emotions and we will weep and we will rejoice. Emotions simply are. They're not right or wrong. They flow out of what we've decided in our heart. I was sore pressed yesterday afternoon. It was as though I could hear the hissing of the devil, the hissing of that great dragon. And my soul became more and more troubled. I didn't sleep much last night. I woke up this morning and my soul was at a, a very low ebb. It's part of what prompted me to share this story with you today. This story of James Turner, the fisherman. And so I went before the Lord and I asked him to please come and search my heart. For a heart that is slow, a heart that is at a low ebb. There's something there that needs searched out. And I began to search out my heart to see what the cause was of this soreness. And the Lord shared with me that I had disrespected a person. And I had to immediately begin to repent of that disrespect. And then I had to go to that person and try to make right what I had done wrong. But in the process, in the early hours of this morning, the Lord met me. Now, while I still had a wrong to make right. He lifted my heart and he poured in the salve, the oil and the wine. He brought me to a place of joy and I had a wonderful time fellowshipping with him before he sent me to make wrongs right. We need to pay attention when our heart is sore. When your soul is at a low ebb, it's a flashing red light. I fear that many of you are not in touch with whether your heart is sore or not, because for some of you, it's just the way you live. You live sore, and so you have to just put up with it. And your heart grows very heavy, grows dead, numb. You recognize you are at a very low ebb. And so, many times what I've done in that situation is turn to entertainment. What I would do in the past is go to a movie or talk to a friend, read a novel. The Lord has rebuked me for those things and he has said, come to me. I am the comforter of your soul. I don't want to pretend any longer when my soul is sore, when I'm at a low ebb, I want to be able to face that and say, what have I done 
what is happening in my life? And how do I immediately go to Jesus and allow him to change my heart? Now please hear me today. I'm not and will not condemn you for a sore heart. No, you need you need the salve of God's Spirit. You need to go to Him and ask Him about your sore heart and ask Him what will heal it. He says, My soul today is at a low ebb. I do not think I am half in earnest. Oh, my slow heart, a heart that I cannot get to love God. On February 27, two days later, he said in his diary, This day I feel a longing desire in my heart after perfect love. I cannot live at this low rate. Lord, show me how I may enter into this rest of holiness of soul. Lord, Thou knowest that I am longing and groaning for the holy rest. Many of Thy sons and daughters have gotten it. Lord, why not me? March 4 My soul is longing to enjoy the blessing of perfect love. Dear Mr. Mason says, God will give it soon. Why not today? Is it to be gotten by simple faith? I know what faith is. I have faith, but I do not have this faith. God could not deny a request like this, who so longed for him, and who was so attentive in his desire to be filled with the holiness of God, and it was but a few days after this entry, on March 6, when he wrote in his diary, This day, by the grace of God, I can say the blood of Jesus has cleansed my soul from sin. On Sabbath night, after about 10 o'clock in my dear sister R's house, I was enabled to lay hold by simple faith on my dear Jesus. When the power of God came down on me, I sank down to the floor speechless, and there I lay for some time full of the glory of God. And I feel that until this very hour, Satan has done what he can to take the blessing from me, but I am sweetly resting on Jesus. All is well. He is mine, and I am his. March 14. For some time my soul has been in full sail for home. Glory be to God. I can say the world is under my feet and Christ is in my heart. I have not only the promise, but the promiser himself. As a result of this baptism of the Spirit, he experienced a few days later an endowment of power for service. He tells it in his own words. A day of God that I and others will never forget. I met my Sabbath class about 1 o'clock p.m. In my room, and as I was leading the class, I felt the power of God so rest on my soul that I could not keep from weeping. Before we got through with our experience, every soul was broken down. The Lord is about to work a work among us. I said, and truly he did, for in a few minutes the power of God came down. His own wife, his brother, and several others received the blessing of pure love. The next day, another meeting was held for those who needed a clean heart. And again, some were established to lay hold of the sanctifier. As in many revivals, those who were wrought upon lay insensible for several hours, coming through clearly afterwards to an inward assurance of God having met their entire need. In December of that wonderful year, James Turner wrote out a simple but heartfelt covenant with God. I want to read this to you. 
14 years this month since Jesus got master of my heart. Lord, thou knowest that I have never repented of giving my heart to thee. I give it up afresh to thee this day. I take all in this shop to witness. I take the sun that is shining upon me and the pen with which I am writing to witness this day that I give to Jesus my body, my soul, and my spirit. Lord God of hosts, take me as I am into thy service. Use me for thy glory. Make me holy. I give thee all the time that I have, all the talent I have. And as for the money, I would give it, but I have none. And now I give thee all thou wilt, and I receive all that thou wilt give me of thy grace in return. This day I make this holy bargain with Jesus, my kingly king. I give myself over, James Turner, a filthy sinner, washed clean, with thy blood, and now being made holy with thy spirit. And Jesus, be pleased to take into the bargain the two classes thou hast given me to lead. Soul and body, I give them to thee, and if I had their time and talents, I would give them to thee also. I feel that thy spirit permits me to put thy name to this bargain. I, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God takes James Turner at his word and do promise to give him grace and withhold no good thing from him as long as he is faithful to my grace. I want to say this day I make this holy bargain with thee, Jesus, my kingly king. I give myself over Ray Greenlee, a filthy sinner, washed clean with thy blood, and now being made holy with thy spirit. And Jesus, be pleased to take into this bargain the listeners to this radio broadcast, and those who come to the National Prayer Chapel, and the class meeting on Tuesday night, and the fellowship on Friday night, take them into the bargain, For you have asked me to lead them into righteousness. Soul and body I give them to thee. And if I had their time and talent, I would give them to thee also. So Lord Jesus, I too put you in this bargain. I, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, takes way greenly. At his word, I do take this radio listening audience, I do take the National Prayer Chapel, I do take the class meeting, I do take the fellowship on Friday night, I do take them all at Ray Greenley's word. And do promise to give grace and withhold no good thing from them as long as they are faithful to my grace, to the divine influence, to the true grace. Do you understand what I just did? I just gave you to Jesus. What right do I have to do that? You're listening to this radio broadcast. If you do not want to be given to Jesus, you'd best run. Because I just gave you to Jesus. And Lord, I'm asking you to rule over every one of these people I just gave to you. I'm asking you to rule over their marriages. I'm asking you to rule over the jobs they have, over the money they have, over the time and talent they have. Lord, I'm asking you to rule over the National Prayer Chapel, over the class meeting on Tuesday evening and the fellowship 
and Bible study on Friday evening. But Lord, especially, I ask you to rule over those who are listening to this radio broadcast. Bring true grace into their hearts. Lord, deal with them according to your wisdom and according to your power. Lord, I covenant to do everything in my power to confront them with your gospel of love and your gospel of holiness, to rebuke sin gently and with kindness, and to call each to give up self-righteousness, to give up anger and bitterness, and to be brought under the Pesach, Lord Jesus, the Passover, the wing of God, I ask, Lord, that you would gather them under your wings as you said you wanted to gather the children of Israel like chicks under your wings. Lord, I plead for this listening audience. No, not audience, congregation. Men and women that have been covenanted to be given to you, Jesus. Would you now make it so? Would you make it so? Some Jesus are going to need the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to fall upon them. And you're going to have to bring them to a place of utter soreness in their soul. Lord, do whatever is necessary. Lord, some just need your kindness and your love and your mercy. For they feel that no one is truly concerned about their soul. Lord, I ask you to care for them. I ask you to minister to them. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now from this time on, James would constantly emphasize to his hearers the scriptural doctrine of holiness and hold up faith in the atoning blood of Jesus as the grand power whereby the soul is purified and made to grow in the likeness of Christ. And now his labors began in earnest. December 30th, thou hast enabled me to travel about 1,000 miles this year. January 13, 1885, the first of the new year I gave myself to God to live or die, spend or be spent for him. My prayer to God night and day is make me holy. Make this to be the best year of my life. Make this year of saving souls, Lord. Thou knowest I am willing to go to all the dens and hovels of this town to seek souls for thee. I'm not only willing to go, but it is my meat and my drink to do this part of the work and permit me to thank thee for the protection in the past for all the filth and sickness I've been amongst day and night. April 14. What mercy that I still have a hold of Jesus. He is my soul's joy. He is my crown. I would not exchange for... I would not exchange orphans with the perverse of this country. My body is weak, but my soul is strong. My body is worn out in search of souls. In the year as it now ends, I have traveled a good many miles on foot to name my Savior's name held 150 weekday prayer meetings, led classes 140 times, stood by the sick and dying many more times than 500. And best of all, my Savior gave me more souls than in any former year. Glory be to God. I am my God's and He is mine. Now through all of this, James Turner never gave up his work in the fishing business. He ran a herring curing line. But then the Lord 
began to call him to travel. Let me read just a little bit. For about a fortnight I've been very unwell and unfit for anything. Though for the last four days I feel somewhat stronger. I begin to doubt, however, whether I shall ever get better. The Master's will be done. I thank you, Dr. Pierre. You have done what you could in every way. May God repay you both for all your kindness. The Lord has told me nothing as yet, whether I will be restored or not. Indeed, I've never put it to him, for I am in his good hand. I do thank Jesus for the 42 years he has given me. It's nine more than he took to himself. The description is written of what happened, and I'd like to share some of this with you. At Bucky, hundreds were converted. A distinguished Presbyterian minister by the name of Baxter, after making careful inquiry of the spot and beholding for himself the character of the movement at Bucky, he reported to his Presbytery, This faith, joy, and peace I reckon to be the work of the Spirit and not the fruit of fanaticism, or mere reason. There is an intense love for hearing and reading the Word of God in public and private, an abandonment of sinful courses. If the Lord pointed to Saul as one of his followers from the fact that he prayed, the same may be said. Many of the wicked persons in this village. Family worship is observed in the house of almost every professed convert. Those who were accustomed to do evil or live idly are now doing good in many forms. Hundreds of neglected children are getting religious instruction. Glad am I my eyes were privileged to behold such a work in a place renowned for their ungodliness. An eyewitness communicating his experience to a newspaper wrote regarding another place, a kind of rude hall was crammed with people of all ages. Prayers and praises, cries and groans and sighs may be heard day and night. A meeting which commenced on Friday evening at six o'clock lasted until four the next morning and was resumed at 10 a.m. When I called on Saturday about 1 p.m., a scene presented itself truly wonderful. Men never known to pray, were eloquent in devotion. Even boys and girls were singing of redeeming love, and, and veterans of mammon's service were trembling and crying for mercy. Another place. Five hundred people, purely seafaring, all engaged in religious exercise, I have spoken to common fishermen who have for nearly three days and three nights been praying, singing, and exhorting their neighbors. Labor is totally suspended meantime. No villagers were more destitute of spirituality prior to this change. According to the admission of the people themselves, they were deplorably careless of divine things. The work seems to be the result of a divine power. In March 1860, he began meeting in the United Presbyterian Church at, at Banff, having received with frigid opposition by the majority. The condition seemed particularly depressing. The pulpit was large, and Turner was a small man, small in stature. People seemed to anticipate from his reputation for spiritual power that his physical strength was in harmony. When, therefore, he seemed to be insignificant, panting, bloodless, he appeared in the high pulpit, one sarcastic hearer, apparently of the kind who think the spirit of Paul can live only in a body of Samson, contemptuously growled that a revivalist 
A certain woman, hearing that he was near at hand, seized a basin of water and ran to a door and fling it at him. Suddenly he appeared, and in her confusion she dropped the basin but stood staring at him. Lord, save that woman! Prayed Turner aloud. Instantly she stepped back, seized her shawl, and followed to the meeting and returned home converted. The woman's case was typical of many. The church was crammed and even the street was blocked with people. Hour after hour, James Turner, not even a preacher, exhorted, pleaded, reproved, preached, prayed, sang. The town was aroused and the meetings went on practically all night. No, none witnessing the scene presented on that famous 10th of March can ever forget the spectacle between 11 o'clock at night and 5 in the morning. One individual after another gave vent to pent-up feelings in cries and tears and grief while others lay idly prostrate and helpless as little children, many speaking of the terrible, terrible struggles within. Many of the most notorious sinners found repentance and life through Jesus. The interest in the revival spread thus from one town to another until the whole northeast was absorbed in the project. This is in Scotland, the place that has utterly fallen back into their sin today. Prayer meetings were held, and Turner inevitably became prominent by reason of his ceaseless endeavors to win souls. Pouring out his heart in intercession, he besought God with naive simplicity of language. Certain ministers and office bearers in the churches praying that they would be converted. And such personal references speedily gave moral offense to the person specified. And a deputation was appointed to wait upon Turner with remonstrance. When the deputation arrived, ready, if rumors sparked true, to use violence should persuasion fail, he invited them in, he closed the door, and immediately knelt down behind it, and he began to pray. Now Turner's prayers were at least as potent as his sermons. Not only was there an extraordinary power, but in his flights of praise and adoration, he so vividly described the love of God, the gospel plan, and the glories of Christ, that Christians who heard would be transported with joy, and the ungodly smitten with conviction. Upon this occasion, as he went on, heaven itself seemed to come near. The deputation began to waver in its grim determination. An occasional groan betrayed the fact that the arrows of the Holy Spirit were smiting them sorely. The sounds of distress increased in volume until one of the one of the deputation made an open declaration. I've never I've never heard such prayer before. And it went when at length Turner concluded they listened with respect to his assurance that he could not alter his ways of prayer for any man while well, as for those who objected to be styled unconverted, and he would be delighted to pray for them as Christians as soon as they gave evidence of being such. He led in these independent meetings, jammed in fishing huts, in homes that were hovels and churches, All of these hours took their toll. In the last year of his life, he was bedridden. But not until the very end did he give up hope of returning to his labors. His wife asked him one day, Were the Lord to give you back your strength again, what would you do? He said, All that I've done for Christ, I would do over again. And much, much more.
on February 2, 1862. James Turner entered heaven to receive his reward. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray, Lord, that the offense of the gospel will stir their hearts. I pray, Lord, that they will turn aside from the cheap, shallow religion of our day and begin in earnest to seek after you, Jesus, to seek after your righteousness, to seek after your holiness. Lord, I plead with you, open the gates of righteousness in Washington, D.C. Bestir your people, almighty God. Convert the sinners. Bring, O oh God, the prostitutes, whether in the government, in Congress, in the Senate, the White House, or in the streets. Lord, come. We have turned against you. And by your grace and your mercy, you're extending a call to come back, to come out of religion, a religious spirit, a cheapness, a tawdriness. You're calling us to come, almighty God, and bow at your feet. Lord, I know you love us, and I know you love this city, and I know you love those who are listening to this broadcast. Lord, don't let them give up, but cause them to press through until they have fully received the holiness you have to offer them. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I want to invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. I want also to invite you to, to write to me. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And come this Sunday and worship with us. If your heart is sore, come and worship with us. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find there the location and how to find us. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Jesus loves you. And so do I. I'll talk to you soon.